Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Did you know that as a Christian, that any trial or hardship or difficulty in your life can only come into your life by the permission of your Heavenly Father? Did you know that trials and difficulties are given us that we might grow to know Jesus more intimately and completely? Let's open our Bibles now to James chapter 1 and look at this wonderful principle in the Word of God. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. Um, Today is Friday, March 5th. In Texas, it's a little after one in the afternoon. I hope everyone's doing well. This is the third podcast of my, of the new Happy John. If you'd listened to the last two podcasts, um, my wife and others have said that uh, that some of the podcasts come off uh, a little heavy-handed, a little overbearing, a little harsh. Um, and so I'm making an effort to try to adjust, I don't know what it is, maybe my, my personality. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm trying to just be more upbeat, but at the same time, just teach the real clear word of God. And for those of you who have said that you didn't feel it was hard at all, you thought it was great. I very much appreciate you. Remember the Apostle Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 said that he tried to become all things to all men so that by all possible means they would get saved, right? And they would know Jesus and know him better. And so uh, it's good for us to make adjustments. Now, this is, this is really important. We, we cannot make adjustments to be people pleasers. We have to be We have to live our lives trying to please Jesus Christ and to be led by him. Um, But at the same time, if if we can make adjustments without in any way compromising the truth or compromising the truth of the word of God, well, then, you know, that's a good thing. You know, the, the scripture says in Ephesians 4 to speak the truth in love. So, you know, if you can have a loving tone and a a happy disposition, and at the same time, be real and serious and passionate about teaching the Word of God, uh, that's certainly better than coming off, um, you know, frustrated. And, you know, as I had explained to my wife and others, I, not in any way when I'm sitting here doing this, do I feel frustrated or angry or anything like that. I'm passionate and zealous and wanting to teach the Word of God and and drive it home. Um, And certainly everyone agreed with that, but the issue is how it can apparently, you know, feel to other people. And so um, if I can make little adjustments here and there, and at the same time, keep the, keep the word of God being taught clearly and hopefully effectively, well, then thank you, Lord Jesus. So, all right. So today we're going to discuss, um, we did a, uh, we did three lessons. We did a three-part series in the, in the book of Hebrews. Uh, disciplined disciples of Jesus. Um, that was really good. All uh, that started from a brother of mine named Rap, who who sent me a, a text. Thank you, brother. And um, and now we're gonna do just I don't I don't know if this may be the only lesson, but um, the next book is 
is the book of James. And, uh, and I do have a, a, a brother of mine, Stephen. He was, uh, he's actually the, the head of the IT department at Kingdom Discipleship. And he had explained to me that he had a wonderful Bible study with his, uh, his mom. And I guess it was his sister-in-law. And, and they, they worked uh, through these verses in just a, a family Bible study. And so um, that was on my heart. And so here we are. We're going to do James uh, chapter 1. And um, Lord willing, we'll get through verse 4 today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So we will go ahead and read it. And then we'll pray. And we'll invite the Lord into our time. And uh, we'll get rolling. James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wow. Well, Father, we do love you and bless you and thank you, Lord. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for the, the holy and living word of God. Lord Jesus, we worship you and we praise you. We thank you for your mercy and your goodness and your favor and your grace on our lives, Lord. We thank you for loving us, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So, as we said in, in the book of Hebrews, when we talked about, you know, a concept that was completely counterintuitive. You remember when in, um, well, if you didn't hear the last couple of teachings in the book of Hebrews, the Hebrew writer in chapter 12 um, reminds us to remember that the Bible encouraged us. He said, you've forgotten that word of encouragement. And he went on to say that the word of encouragement is that your heavenly father disciplines you as his children. And because of that, you know, you can be sure you are his children. You know, that was counterintuitive and it, you know, it almost seems a little bit crazy because it's hard to take God's discipline in our lives. You know, when he's disciplining us, when he's punishing us, it's hard to receive that as encouragement. And we talked about when we discipline our children, never really ever do they come away just encouraged. Never do our children say, thanks, dad. Thanks, mom. That was wonderful. Can I have some more of that? And so, but the Hebrew writer is making the point that our heavenly father, when he disciplines us, he disciplines us completely out of love. And because of his loving discipline toward us, that's a reminder that we are his children. We are saved and we are going to heaven. And so we ought to be encouraged about it. And we talked about how that was, you know, clearly counterintuitive, right? Um, because normally we don't find discipline. If we're children, we don't find our parents' discipline to us encouraging. And, you know, at first glance, our Heavenly Father disciplining us um, by allowing different hardships or difficulties in our lives just doesn't seem encouraging. And you have the same concept here in James. If you flip over to the next book, um, really, if you just flip one page or two chapters in your Bible, you go from Hebrews 12 uh, to James chapter 1. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
And um, you're going to see, uh, again, another counterintuitive statement in here in, in verse 2 and 3. Um, uh, in verse 2, really. And so we'll get to that. Um, and, and it's exciting uh, because, you know, when you read the Bible, it's just, it's so real. Right, Peyton? It's just so, uh, it's, it's so incredible. You know, it's, uh, it, it just, it's, it's sometimes it's just raw, you know, and it, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't beat around the bush. It's, you know, it, it's, uh, again, it's just, it's, it's like it's real life. You know, for those of us who have trouble believing the Bible is the very word of God. When you, when you read the words in the scripture, you know, when you read this letter that, that, uh, that James is writing, to Jewish Christians who are undergoing difficulties. And he says that they're scattered among the nations in verse one. It's again, it's just so real. You know, it's, um, it, it doesn't at all strike you as if it's made up. You know, it doesn't even strike you as super spiritual all the time. And that too is just an encouragement because it is truly the word of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, so yes, it's we get rolling right in James one, and uh, I was talking to a sister of mine about this, um, my uh, my sister Kimberly, and and, um, and she's a, a a strong minister in her own right, and um, you know she's always so respectful, and they're like this in Africa, and people they they always address you, and it's like this in Singapore as well, I guess. Um, uh, my wife, you know, when we've been there many times, but. You know, you always call your pastor, pastor, right? And, uh, and you know, these, these, these titles and nowadays, you know, I mean, people, people just sometimes carry their title, you know, like a breastplate or something, or they they carry their title with sometimes what I believe to be an excessive amount of pride, frankly. And so I told Kimberly, Kimberly, if you could just call me John, that would be great. And if it bothers your conscience then just go ahead and, and go ahead and roll with pastor. Right. Um, and we're going to talk about how James announces himself here. But I mean, I mean, you can go to like a, a minister's conference nowadays, right? Or a pastor's conference. And I mean, you can walk around that place. And I mean, instead of everyone just being kind of cool, right? And just saying, hey, man, how you doing? My name's John. You know, my name is, is Chris. My name is Stephen. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, my name's Tom. You know, everyone's throwing titles around. How you doing, pastor? What's up, bishop? Hello. Oh, there's the apostle over there. And and we get just caught up in titles, y'all, sometimes in the church. And 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 really, that's something we ought to to carry very very lightly. Here's one of the secrets of this podcast. Um, Jesus isn't impressed with our titles. <laughs> He's really not. Jesus is not walking around calling you pastor or certainly me, pastor. He's not calling us apostle. He's not calling us prophet. And, and we like hearing these titles sometimes. And so, you know, if you happen to be a pastor, that's great. My recommendation is you go by your first name. Okay. Now there are some people who believe that they have like apostolic calls. And it's not for me to judge whether they do or not, but I will say this. I would not replace the name or word apostle with your first name. I would not allow people to call you like, you know, whatever, Apostle Mark 
or, you know, Prophet Ben. Um, I, I would just go by your first name. Um, because the reality is, although Jesus isn't impressed with our titles, if you do have a title in the church today, um, I mean, we are responsible for that. And we will be accountable because to whom much is given, much is expected. Now, I say all that. Happy John. I say all that, Scott, because James, look at how, how he announces himself. He's not going to announce himself as an apostle. He's not going to announce himself as a prophet. He's not going to announce himself as a pastor. He's not going to announce himself as a teacher. He's not going to announce himself as an evangelist. And this man of God right here is all of those things. <laughs> Trying to be happy. He's all of those things. James, the guy who wrote this letter, he was the half-brother of Jesus. Um, half-brother because James, James's father and mother were Mary and Joseph. He's the half-brother of Jesus because Jesus's mom was Mary, but Jesus's dad was God the Father. So you see, half-brother. <laughs> thank, thank you, Lord Jesus. So, you know, they would have grown up in the same house. Um, he would have been Jesus's younger brother, because as you know, Jesus was Mary's firstborn. Right, Nathan? Um, but, but I love the title that this guy announces himself with, okay? Now, I'll say again, I'm not, you know, Paul will announce himself as an apostle. All I'm saying is that if, if you believe God has called you to be an apostle or a prophet or even a pastor, teacher, or evangelist, there is no authority in that title, okay? A spiritual authority does not come from titles, right? The authority we have comes from Jesus Christ and walking with Jesus and our devotion to Jesus, right? Um, uh, and, and I guess I'll say that one more time. Actually, there is no authority, spiritual authority, that comes from our title. If we're a pastor at a church somewhere and I'm the pastor of this ministry, um, the president of this ministry, uh, none of that. No titles give you authority, right? Because we can go and we can, you know, we can go to, we can go and set up a church and, you know, and then we can decide who the elders are and who the pastors are. Um, all that we need to do, all that's wonderful, but we need to hold titles very very, very lightly. Um, and, and I'm convinced of this. And when we look at how James's title is, let's take all of our titles, whatever we're called in the church today. You know, sometimes there's minister, sometimes there's pastor, sometimes there's bishop, sometimes there's, you know, people call themselves, you know, uh, you know, evangelist, you know, Benny. Um, there are, uh, you know, uh, you know, Apostle Bill, um, you know, um, you know, you know, you know, Bishop uh, Wendy. Um, in James 1, verse 1, here's his title. James, a servant of God. Let's take all of those titles and replace it with Tom, a servant of God. Susanna, a servant of God. Melanie, a servant of God. James, a servant of God 
and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we are. That's the best title we can have. And the word servant is actually also translated slave. Okay? James 1 verse 1. So whatever your name is, if you have a position in ministry, we'd all be better off. And I, we certainly will be when we stand before Jesus. If we have the humble title of a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ or a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, because that's, that's what really our titles mean, right? Whatever our title is in the church, you know, and again, uh, titles in themselves are not a bad thing. Don't hear me say that. It's a good thing. And it's a good thing for you to be respectful um, to your pastor and your elders and all these other things. Um, I'm speaking now to pastors and elders who have a tendency to put to put weight or to think their title in itself has weight. And that's what I'm speaking to. Um, and you can see this in um, in the book of Revelation, chapter two, in the church of Ephesus, Jesus compliments the leaders of the church. And he says to them, you've tested those who claim to be apostles. People were coming in to the church and they were claiming authority and saying they had this title of apostle. If anyone in your life, anyone, hear me now, whoever hears this, if there's ever anyone in your life that tells you that they have authority in your life because they have some title, evangelist, pastor, teacher, apostle, deacon, bishop, elder, uh, they need to be tested right away. Because the only authority they have in your life is to exhort you and encourage you and build you up, correct you in the word of God and by the word of God. There is no authority beyond the word of God and the son of God, the son of God and the word of God. So um, I was considering all this, you know, because I was so blessed by James and the title he gives himself, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I, I ask you to help us to truly, Lord, live our lives as your servants, as your slaves, Jesus. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. I ask you to forgive us, Lord, when we have, when we have pride in our title, Lord. Father, I pray that those of us who are ministers and do have titles, Lord, that we would use them in the advancement of your, of your kingdom, Lord, that we would use them, Lord, to, to bring credibility to your kingdom, Lord, and that we would use them in the service of your kingdom and ask you to forgive us, Father, when we use them in the service of our own ego. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, the essence of any title you have is this right here. Paul also called himself a servant of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, who wrote the, the entire I'm sorry, 13 books of the New Testament. Um, every title we have, if you have a title of bishop, uh, uh, the real title you have is servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, because that's what a bishop should do. If, if you have a, a title of minister, right, Kimberly? What you really are as a minister, and this lady is, is a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have the title of pastor, apostle, prophet, whatever you call yourself. 
whatever other people call you, the most basic function of that title is a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, hopefully this makes sense. And this is how James announces himself. So sweetheart, that's my wife, May. I don't know how I can say all of that like happily and nicely and encouragingly and uplifting, um, but, but I'm trying. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So verse one, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Verse two, and here's the, the counterintuitive we talked about that we also mentioned in Hebrews. Look at verse two. If you're reading your Bibles, James chapter one, verse two, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Yeah, I mean, it really says that. This guy really wrote this, right? He's really writing this to encourage them. Because we can be very dull to the truth of that difficulties when they come into our lives are not simply there for no reason. They're not there by accident. There is literally no difficulty that can come into your life as a Christian. If you're in the Lord Jesus Christ today, there is literally no difficulty that can come into your life that doesn't come into your life by either the permission of your heavenly father or that he caused it. It can only be those two things. And the very fact, we said this in the last podcast or in the last series, the very fact that it's in your life at a very certain level shows at least his passive approval, shows at least your heavenly father's passive approval. Because even though he didn't cause it, he allowed it and he could have stopped it. Uh, when we get to heaven and, and the Lord in his mercy you know, he may show us thousands upon thousands of times in our lives where he did sovereignly intervene to prevent, you know, certain trials, certain difficulties, you know, certain, uh, certain terrible things from happening in our lives. I remember a, uh, a, uh, an early mentor of mine, his name is Tommy. He used to tell me that, you know, sometimes when say, let's say you, you leave the house and you get 10 minutes in your car and you, and man, you're already late, but you forgot your, you forgot your wallet or, you know, your driver's license or something you just have to have. And you have to drive all the way back, you know, and he had explained to me as a new Christian that, that, that this is undoubtedly the Lord working in your life. You don't know that by that delay that the Lord might've spared you a tremendous accident. Um, or you don't know that because of that de delay, you might get it put in front of a divine appointment somewhere in front of that. So the Lord is consistently and sovereignly moving in our lives. Um, and the deeper our relationship with him, the more intimate our relationship is with our Lord Jesus and with our Heavenly Father and with the Holy Spirit, the more we will recognize, you know, the, the move in the hand of our Heavenly Father and really everything we're doing. Um, so, you know, all that to say, James is saying that, that, that trials and difficulties, afflictions, um, are for our benefit. And I've said this before, 
that uh, I believe still one of my biggest failures, one of the one of the things that I that I really don't do well is that when I have trials and difficulties or persecutions or um, afflictions, you know, I don't feel well, sick, whatever. Um, I just I just want them to be over. I confess, I don't have like this this grown mature spiritual maturity that says, you know, um, like I really want to grow in Jesus Christ. Now I do pray and I do, you know, pray and ask my heavenly father and I ask the Holy spirit and Jesus to, that, to help me to learn through whatever I'm going through. I'm doing that more and more and more and more because I just, I don't want whatever the trial or difficulty is just to be wasted. And I think in the church today, we, we, unfortunately, we learn very little, most of us as Christians, from our trials and difficulties. When the Bible says trials and difficulties and hardships are given for the, that we might grow to know Jesus better. They're given, James is going to say, uh, that our faith would develop um, and that we would grow in our faith and mature in our faith. Um, and with that, there, there's no explanation for the, uh, for how incomprehensibly, you know, um, valuable that really is. I mean, to grow in your faith, imagine what that looks like to really grow in experiencing relationship with Jesus, to grow, to really feel, uh, Matthew, like this, this whole walking with God, walking with Jesus thing really is real really is the meaning of life. Faith, right? Everything you do as a Christian in your walk with Jesus has an element of faith. When you read your Bible, you're reading it by faith that it's the word of God. When you obey your Bible, you're obeying it by faith that it's the word of God and it's the will of God. And this is how he wants you to behave. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you did it by faith. Jesus didn't come and talk to you in an audible voice that you could hear like mine. You believe the word of God by faith, right? And in the word of God, builds your faith. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. As you hear the word of God, as you study the word of God, as you meditate on the word of God, it builds your faith. And now James is saying the reason you ought to have joy is that this incredible, valuable thing you have. And Peter says your faith is worth more than silver or gold or money or anything you own. That, that when you go through trials and difficulties, he says of many kinds. And as I said, that can be afflictions or, or sicknesses. It can be persecutions. It can be where you've been mistreated and, you know, you've really been, um, you know, uh, people have really wronged you. Um, again, it, trials can come in various fashions. They can be, um, they can be spiritual trials, Melanie, right? Uh, physical trials, emotional trials, financial trials, and certainly we have relational trials, right, Jordan? Um, so trials can come in many different ways and many different facets. And James says, whatever they are, just consider it joy. Um, again, seemingly counterintuitive, because he didn't say that it is joy. He didn't say that you had to feel anything. 
He's not talking about just feeling happy that you're in the middle of a difficult situation, but he's wanting you to grow your faith and to really, to really see past it and to know that while you're in this trial or difficulty, and I'm sure many who are listening to this are going through trials and difficulties. And, and we all have seemingly something going on in our lives almost continually that relates to some kind of trial or difficulty, doesn't it? Or is all y'all's lives just, just perfect, Abraham? Robin, everything is just, you don't have a problem in your life. Everything's going good, right? Jose, is everything in your life just flawless right now? Is that how it is? Wade, do you, have, you, have you ever had any problems or difficulties or trials or has life just, just always been perfect? Of course not. All of us recognize trials and what James is wanting us to understand, what the Bible is teaching us here, is that when you go through trials, we can consider them joy because verse 3 says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Verse 4, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There is hope in that, Jason, right? Consider it pure joy, whatever the trial is, whatever the difficulty is. Because when that trial comes, that's a testing of your faith. And that's what it is, right? Um, the reason we don't grow oftentimes, or most of the time, could be all of the time. If we're not growing in our trials, it's because um, not only do we not consider it joy, and as I've confessed, I consider it almost entirely misery. And Father, I ask you to forgive me. Because when we go through trials with bitterness, when we go through trials with anger, when we go through trials with only dissatisfaction, we can't we can't grow. We can't mature from the trial when all we are is dissatisfied and angry and bitter and upset. And listen, I've already confessed that, that, that I don't do this well. I just I already confess this is one of the worst things I do. I'm not happy when I'm not happy. I like everything being perfect in my life. I do. And yet, in that state of mind, I cannot have this growth because James says, if I'll come to trials and I can begin, if you and I can begin the process today to see whatever difficulty you're in, whatever it is, see it as a, a, an opportunity for that your faith is being tested. And in the trial, you're going to, you're going to go to Jesus. You're going to invite him into it, him, Chris. You're going to, uh, you're going to make Jesus a part of the trial, Jordan. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to place him at the center of it, Caleb. And, and you're really going to walk through this trial and, and you're going to just do it with a heart of faith that the Lord is, is allowing this testing, this trial, so that you'll develop perseverance. Perseverance, we know, is when you're going through something and you have to, you have to endure difficulty while you press on and press on and you keep moving forward. You persevere. You keep moving forward despite difficulties and obstacles and trials. And he says that, that you know, it is certain. This is a fact, James says, that 
that you know that the testing of your faith, when you have a trial, it's clearly testing our faith. And instead of making us bitter or frustrated with the situation or frustrated with God, frustrated with our Heavenly Father or Jesus or the Holy Spirit, if we can see it as his opportunity for us to grow, then we can develop this faith muscle. As our faith is tested, it develops perseverance. Perseverance, this quality that we are going to keep moving forward in Jesus Christ no matter what happens. Now listen, I'm going to say this as happy as possible. Um, for whatever strange reason, it, it's the testing of my faith that develops perseverance. When everything's going perfect in my life, there's nothing for me to persevere through, right? Because it's only when I have difficulties that I have to persevere. You know, this whole system that we grow, and we see this in all aspects of life, that growth comes from persevering and pressing on through difficult or unreasonable circumstances. My brother Jesse uses a, a weightlifting analogy all the time. For those of you who exercise and weightlift, no matter what it is you do, for some strange reason, if you're running and you're trying to run one mile, it's not until you, you, you press on and run that mile, that half mile, that three quarters mile, that one mile, and as you keep doing it or doing it, doing it, pretty soon you can run one and a half miles or two miles. But you had to persevere and running that, that mile was hard. But as you did it that day and the next day and the next day and the next week and the next month, as you persevered, you grew and, you're, and, and something happened in your body as you developed. If, if you're lifting out with weights, right, and you're lifting, say, 100 pounds, and that's heavy, but you want to get to 150 pounds, and you keep doing it and you keep doing it, and pretty soon because you're doing it, the weight starts getting lighter, and pretty soon you could do 110 pounds with the same effort that you did 100 pounds. And then you keep getting under the weight and putting yourself under the weight. And as you keep moving that weight and moving that weight and moving it up, it doesn't happen overnight, right? Um, a, a spiritual father of mine named uh, David, he, you know, he's, you know, it, it, it's one of his observations, which of course we all know is true, that that growth of almost any kind is imperceptible. You don't notice it when it's happening, but then you wake up and wow, a year later or a month later or six months later, you can see that your faith has grown. Now you can, you can lift 150 pounds. Now you can run three miles where you only ran one mile. And this concept is in every aspect of our life and it's in our spiritual life. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Verse 4, perseverance must finish its work. There's this work, this spiritual work of perseverance that the Lord is working into us and working out of us into our lives. He's working into us that it might work out into our daily walk with Jesus Christ. And verse 4 says, Perseverance must finish its work. Golly, Lord Jesus, what will it be like to still be in this life and to have perseverance be finished? Imagine that you can grow into the kind of Christian this says. Look at how cool this is. Perseverance must finish its work 
so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wow. There is a possibility. I don't know any Christians, um, and I'm certainly not at this place, but I would really love to get to this place, y'all. Linz, wouldn't you love to get to the place where you didn't have to persevere anymore because you've persevered so much. You walk through difficulties and trials with joy. And this lady I'm talking, Linz, about Linz, certainly does it better than me and almost anyone I know. But wouldn't it be nice, lady, if, if perseverance had finished its work with you? Meaning you had so consistently approach difficulties and trials in the faith of Christ and applying yourself to Christ and giving it to Christ and not being bitter and not being angry, considering to love others even when they're the cause of the trial, forgiving others, blessing others, continuing to worship Jesus. Wouldn't it be great, Lens, that if, if you had gotten to some point in the measurement of Christ in your life with Jesus as your Lord, said, Lens, it's done now. This is why you're still living. Perseverance has finished its work in you, Lens. You are mature. You are complete. You're not lacking anything. Now, th th that would be pretty exciting to get to that point, wouldn't it? Where the Lord says, it's not necessary anymore for me to have to allow trials into your life or to bring trials into your life because... Because you don't know the difference between, between when you're going through a trial and when you're not. How about that, Scott? Jesus wants us to grow up so much that you don't know the difference. It doesn't seem any harder to you, Matthew, that you know when you're going through what others would perceive to be extremely difficult or extremely happy, it's all the same to you because you know what? You're a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, whatever Jesus has for you, you it doesn't occur to you to be bothered. It doesn't occur to you to complain because you're mature. You're complete. You're a slave of Jesus Christ. And you know that he's God and he ordains your steps. Right, Jason? He measures your steps, Lisa. And because of that, whatever comes into your life, you already know, as we said earlier, either comes in by his, by him causing it or him allowing it. And therefore, you know that he's in the middle of it. And so you're not any more satisfied between, uh, you know, what, you know, you perceive to be positive events or negative events. Uh, I'll say again, uh, wherever I am on this track, I would love to get to this place with my sister Lynn's where perseverance must finish its work. Father, we would just love for perseverance to finish its work with us so that we may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Lord, we, we really would, but Father, we confess that that is not the, the current state of our heart. It's not the current state of our faith, Lord. So, Father, I ask you to help us one and all this day that we would, Lord, begin. We would begin, Lord, to see ourselves as servants of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, of slaves of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ.
And Father, when difficulties and irritations and frustrations and trials and hardships, wherever they may be, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, or relationally, when they come into our lives, Lord, I ask you to help us to begin this process of seeing this testing of our faith as a good thing because it's building that our muscle, our faith muscle, Lord. And in that, Lord, we will experience life and relationship and love and meaning and hope, Father, with you more and more and more and more. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And Father, we would love to get to a place where perseverance could finish its work in this life, Father. Father, um, for most of us, we know that we won't have to persevere when we're in heaven anymore. That time will have been finished. But Father, I pray that we would somehow, by your tremendous mercy, apply this to ourselves. And Father, it is, uh, it's overwhelming that this is the definition of maturity and completeness. So I ask you to forgive us, Father. I ask you to forgive me for my immaturity and how I consistently do not handle trials and difficulties and hardships, Lord, in this way. I ask you to help us, Father, to repent and uh, in hope and in faith, Lord, apply ourselves to walk through trials, right, Patricia? To walk through them with hope and faith and to persevere, Father, that we might grow to be mature and complete disciples of Jesus Christ, our Lord, not lacking anything. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We thank you for your word. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, the living word, the Son of God, God the Son. Lord Jesus, we thank you. You are our Lord, our Master, our King, and our God. Holy Spirit, we worship you now. We ask you to lead us and guide us as we apply this word to our hearts. This day, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org. If you'd like to email us directly, you can reach us at contact at kingdomd.org.